0: Hey, it's Mistress Carrie, reporting for duty from MCHQ for episode 67 of the Mistress Carrie podcast. This episode of the podcast is sponsored by Digital Federal Credit Union. Better known by all of us by now, it's just easier. Just say DCU. You know who we're talking about. And whether you're driving off the lot or refinancing, DCU can help you save on your next auto loan with rates as low as 1.49% APR. Yeah, you heard me. Let me repeat that. They can help you with your new car or a refi with rates as low as 1.49% APR. You can learn more at dcu.org slash auto. Insured by the NCUA. Membership required. This episode of the podcast is also sponsored by Jag and Detroit Podcasts. He's a Boston native that's now transplanted in Detroit. And he comes from a radio background, but he's been in professional podcasting for years. And if you have always wanted to have a podcast, whether it be for fun or your company, he can make your podcast sound like a professional radio show. Nobody can tell your story or your business's story better than you can. And JAG can help. For more info, you can log on to Jagindetroit.com. Okay, this week's episode of the podcast is with a guitar god. And guitar players are going to love it. I sat down and talked to John 5. Now, if you're not sure exactly who John 5 is, this is what Slash said about him. John 5 is hands down one of the most mind-blowing guitarists around, end quote. John 5 is Rob Zombie's guitar player but he's worked with everyone from David Lee Roth to Marilyn Manson. He's collaborated with Peter Chris and Dave Mustaine, Steve Perry, Avril Lavigne, Katie Lang, and so many others. And he's also part of the recent project with Tommy Kluftos, Nikki Sixx, and Rob Zombie, known as the LA Rats. John 5 has a new solo album coming out on October 29th called Sinner. And he and I sat down to talk guitars, and songwriting, and guitar tone, and style. And of course, we started talking about Eddie Van Halen. We talked about his upbringing, and his inspiration, and about touring, and rock fans. We even talked about his childhood Halloween costume, and your mind is gonna be blown by this. There's a corresponding playlist linked in the show notes of this podcast that is filled with John's music, Rob Zombie's music, and all of the other stuff that we talked about in this episode. John is a super cool guy, and he is an amazing guitar player. So allow me to introduce you to John Five.
1: have the privilege of listening to Mr. Scary. Oh, God. Oh, yeah. Hi, can
2: you hear me? I
0: can.
2: Awesome. And you can see me, right? I
0: can see you. I can hear you. I am going to hit record so you know. This meeting is being recorded. Mr. Okay, John 5, on. there you are.
2: How are you?
0: I'm really good. Are you all set over there?
2: I think so. Yes. Uh, this me blah, 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 blah. Hold on. Got it. Okay. Yes. Aren't Hi. We good? How are you? Yes.
0: How are you? It's nice to meet you. Albeit nice this way, which is well. weird, but I'll take it.
2: Yes. Yes. Everything's good. You know, I'm home for a couple days and then I go back out and start picking again. So uh, yeah, everything is good
0: you got to play a couple big shows with rob and yes how was that for you getting back on a big stage after all this time and all the craziness
2: well it was i mean of course i love it i love being on stage more than anything and uh it's all been weird i mean um like getting on a stage with rob and seeing all the people and then i'm just Even weird being in an elevator with somebody, you know, and uh, but then there's, you know, 40,000 people squeezed in there with you. And uh, it's a little concerning, but it was incredible. And I just did a whole tour with my band and we were playing everywhere and it was indoors and it was crammed and it was crazy and hot. But knock on wood, everybody was fine.
0: It's been a very strange couple of years, and in all of the people that I've been talking to, one of the things that rock fans seem to be having the hardest time with is that we've lost our meeting place when tours couldn't happen, and I've always referred to us as the land of misfit toys. Like the concerts are the place that we go to feel like we belong the place where there's no judgment that we go where this is our sacred place. And then I get your album sinner, which comes out at the end of October. And I was like, hold on a second. Uh, That's right. Were you, first of all, your albums coming out around Halloween, no surprise there. Right. Were you always a Halloween person?
2: I was always a Halloween person. My, I've always loved Halloween. And it's not out of the ordinary. Just like any young child, uh, I was into monsters and all that stuff. So I was always really, really into it. And my family was into it. My mother dressed me up like a like because there was a halloween um it was like a contest at my school and you know it was last minute and all the stores were closed and we didn't know what to do so my mother and i was probably in i don't know fifth grade or sixth grade but my mother dressed me up as a prostitute like with a wig but not like you know garters or anything like a high dollar prostitute, if you will. So like a, like a, you know, a, a fur thing and a dress and everything like that. And so, uh, yeah, I won first prize. So <laughs> it, it's true story, true story. I have pictures actually too.
0: Your parents also have the ability to shape your musical taste early. And I have a theory that there's two kind of phases of your adolescence when it comes to music there's the there's the music you get exposed to by your parents the cool uncle your older brothers and sisters and then there's a line that you cross and go okay that was their music this is now mine what music did you get exposed to growing up and then what was the music that was yours
2: well I guess I was always around music, just like anyone else. It's not anything out of the ordinary. I had older sisters, and they would go see Jethro Tallinn concert, or they would go see Vanilla Fudge or the Rolling Stones, and and this was the 70s, and I listened to everything they listened to, and then I loved TV, and my dad loved t so I loved all of that music and i didn't really understand i mean this was i was very very young but i didn't really understand different genres of music i just understood it was music and um i loved all of it you know from country to rock and and uh everything and on the radio i just loved i mean everything was on steely dan and all that stuff so and kiss and everything. So I was into everything, anything that was on the radio or on TV, the monkeys, Hee Haw, happy days, anything that had music in it. I was really, really into. So I just absorbed everything. It was like air to me. And, um, uh, thank God, because that's what kind of molds you when you're uh, growing up and, uh, it's all inspiration. And and I think inspiration is the most important thing you can have. And and, uh, it definitely inspired me.
0: Who gave you your first guitar?
2: Um, My mother gave me my first guitar on Christmas, a guitar and an amp. And I never put it down. I just played it all the time. And I took, but I took lessons right away. I wasn't like just standing, you know, on the, on the counter or anything like that. I was like, I really wanted to learn how to play. And so I started taking lessons right away. And I remember there was this really like these stairs to go up to where my teacher was. And, um, I, I was so little, I couldn't even carry the, the guitar case up the stairs. So, uh, I had to have someone carry it up there because I was so little, I had to hold on to the railing and stuff like that. But, um, Yeah, I started taking lessons right away and, uh, you know, I still love to learn. I think education is the most important thing and knowledge is power. I know it sounds corny, but it really is so important uh, when you're learning anything, anything at all. It could be about a car or about medicine like you can never stop learning.
0: What was the first song that you remember playing on the guitar that you learned in your lessons?
2: Um, I played happy birthday for my father and, uh, and now thinking about it, you know, that's obviously it's all notes and everything like that, but I could have started out with like just some chords or things like that. But, um, so I, I, uh, that was the first thing.
0: Did you still and have now, that guitar?
2: No, I still have the amp though. You do? I still have the amp. Yeah. It's, it's funny. Um, my, They were cleaning out something. They found it. And so I'm doing this documentary. Well, I'm not doing it, but these people are doing a documentary on me. And I break out the amp and all that stuff and, and talk about the amp. And the, the documentary is not really about, oh, look at me, blah, blah, blah. It's kind of like what we're talking about right now. It's about inspiration and going for your dreams and 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 things like that. So uh it's going to be a really cool documentary. It's probably going to come out like the f- first of next year or something.
0: Speaking of documentaries, I have been just going down this rabbit hole on video on demand and streaming services. And I saw you in a documentary recently, the hired gun documentary.
2: Oh yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah.
0: And that's, I,
2: that's a good one.
0: It was fascinating to me that, I mean, I know that there are all of these players out there that aren't necessarily just a member of the band, but it fascinated me how much certain players move around and that the same guy that's in that band that that played guitar on that song is now over here playing with that person. And I think Rob said it in the, in the, the documentary, is like there's like 20 guys that play on literally every song you know. <laughs>
2: Yeah. Yeah. It's funny. Like, and that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to be a session guy. I didn't even like dream of becoming a well-known musician or something like that. I just wanted to be a session guy and play on those records and, and things like that. So what has happened to me and people knowing my name is like something that was like just beyond my wildest dreams. It was like, You know, if I was a kid and I was like, oh, I'm going to be the president of the United States or something like that. It was just so far beyond my dreams. And I was like, oh, I want to be a session guy, you know, and I and that was my uh, dream.
0: Well, I think that's why projects like the L.A. Rats are so fun for people, because they see artists from a bunch of different places come together to do something cool like that. And it's not like you're trying to make that a band that that's going to be your only focus, but it's just something a little different and cool that you get together with some of your friends and you do it. And it's awesome.
2: I know there's good and bad with, with, with that because it's so great and it's with my friends who I talk to every day, but then you're like, well, let's do something else. And they're like, well, you know, I got this and I got that and I got this and I got that. and I got, you know, and I'm like, ah, you know, because <laughs> I, I just—that's the bad part because you want it to keep going and and uh, you want it to be a band and just everybody is, of course, very busy with their other things, you know. So uh, that's what's unfortunate to be to me. But maybe you know we'll do something in the future. It'd be really super fun.
0: I'm fascinated with artists that have a lot of irons in the fire like yourself because. I'm not someone that has the ability to play an instrument or write music. And so I want to know how you compartmentalize the different projects that you're on. Because when you're just sitting around noodling, writing, whatever, and you come up with a riff or an idea, how do you go, hold on, I'm saving that for myself, or I'm going to bring that to Rob Zombie, or I'm going to bring that to the L.A.? Like, how do you decide, and is your writing process different based on whatever project you're working on at the time.
2: It is. Um, it's actually from experience, just being a fan of these musicians. Like if I was going to work with Skinner, Oh shit. Hold on. Sorry.
0: It's okay. I'm,
2: I, I'm doing this from my phone. So yeah, don't worry about when it. the phone call, no, so, fine. you know, being a fan of like Skinner or zombie or, anyone else like that, you kind of know that sound, you have that, you know, you've been listening to it forever and you kind of understand where that's going. Um, And you say, Oh, I'm going to save that for myself or I'm going to save that for zombie or something. I don't know. It's just something that's, you know, uh, it's like a feeling inside and, and it's been working, you know? So like if I write with Rod Stewart, I know every Rod Stewart song there is, you know, and I know what kind of key he likes to write in or what kind of style he likes to write in. Or same thing with David Lee Roth or anything like that, you know, and uh, it's just, you know, what that sound is and what that feeling is. And that's how it has been for me. I know it's a horrible answer, but it's really hard to describe, you know.
0: But at the same time, all of those different artists are coming to you. Because they also want a certain amount of your sound infused into theirs. Can you talk to me about your guitar tone and the importance of a guitarist having kind of a tone and a sound unto themselves?
2: i I've you know that's a great question because with with your tone, I believe, you know, I believe that the tone really comes from your hands. and, just how your hands hit that those strings and how they press down on those strings and strike that guitar. Uh, Eddie Van Halen was saying that. He was like, you know, if you pick up a, an acoustic guitar and I play it, it's going to sound like Eddie Van Halen. And then if I pick it up, it'll sound like myself. You know, it's just... in. Uh, in your hands, in your DNA. I would. I picked up Eddie's guitar at rehearsal and uh, played through his rig, but it just sounded me like me playing through a different guitar rig, you know. And it's so. It's just in somebody's hands, and and that's that's what I've always. I you know I would talk to Eddie about that, and he says, "Just in your hands." And he would always say that. And I just thought that was so interesting. And it's true because, you know, you can go play on anybody's rig, but it'll still sound like, like you.
0: I only had a chance to meet him a couple of times. And the last time that I saw him, he was sitting backstage noodling on his guitar. Wolfgang was young. And I was fixated on his hands because his hands did not look like they should be as agile as they were they were I remember them being big and I remember his fingertips being big like I I, I talk about it like like he was one of those tree frogs right that had like the mm-hmm. big bulbous kind of ends to his fingers and I remember being fascinated at how agile these giant hands were on that what looked like almost a little guitar in his hands
2: yeah and it's it's strange because some people play like eddie would play and he would press down so hard and hit so hard that his guitar tech was my guitar tech my guitar tech was his guitar tech for a little while and he said he would have to tune it a little out of tune because he would press down so hard but with me it's the different it's different because i hit so light i it's like you know, if you ever see like a a violinist or something like that, it's just like, you know, it's, they're just doing it so light. And that's how I play. I just play so like such a light touch. And one time on this last tour, I broke a string and it was like, it was like, oh my God, I can't believe this guy broke a string. It was like a, a, like a, jaw-dropping moment because I play so light, you know. So uh, yeah, it's everybody's um, different, that's for sure.
0: I, people that play hard like that, they have to change their strings every day. So if you don't play like that, do you still change them every day?
2: No, no. I rarely change my strings. My tech usually comes to me and goes, hey, should we change your strings? I was like, yeah, I guess so. You know, <laughs> here's the guitar. But I mean, Eddie's, of course, the greatest guitar player ever. And, uh, like, what he did and what he, (laughs) like, his sound and his tone coming from those hands, it's just, uh, it's just unbelievable.
0: You're the second person I've had on the show that had the exact same experience. I talked to Nuno Betancourt as well. And he went and was at rehearsal with Van Halen. Eddie invited him to come up and play his guitar through his rig, his pedals, his everything. And Nuno said, "I was so excited because I thought, finally I'm going to be able to sound like Eddie Van Halen. And this was early on in Extreme's career. And he goes, "And I was so disappointed that I still sounded like myself, even though I literally yeah. was holding all of Eddie's stuff. He's like, it was my one shot to sound like Eddie Van Halen, and it's so funny that you had the exact same experience."
2: Yeah, it's funny because they sell the Eddie Van Halen amps and pedals and all that stuff. But, you know, you're still going to sound like you. And I mean, his products are incredible. That's why they sell them, because they're great, great amps and pedals. Uh, And but you're not going to sound like Eddie Van Halen because that's, you know, it's your DNA. It's how you play.
0: You you talk about playing acoustic. You're not known so much for being an acoustic guy, but how much time do you spend playing and writing on an acoustic?
2: Not much, you know, it's because I'm always playing, you know, I always have the guitar near me. It's like, you know, it's always around me. And I was playing before I was started talking to you. It's um, so not that much. Um, I love acoustic music more than anything, but when I get a chance to do, you know, acoustic stuff and, and things like that, it's, I love it so much. So anything with a string, I'll pick it.
0: How important was your guitar to you over the last year and a half when you were stuck at home and you weren't able to really go out and tour and do what you love to do in front of people? How important was it to have it locked down with you?
2: Well, I'm the person, and a lot of people know this, I play all the time, all the time until I go to bed. So it didn't really change. The only thing that changed is I couldn't go out and play concerts, but I'm always playing guitar until I go to bed. And uh, it's just how I've always been. And I've explained it to, you know, girlfriends and wives and I'm like you know it's just what I do you know it's just what I do so it was um I just played all the time and wrote music and wrote this album Sinner and and, uh you know did what I do all the time I don't think the only thing that was different I just couldn't go outside and you know play shows but everything else was pretty much the same
0: do you think that that solitary time change the sound of this record
2: i don't i think i think the solitary time really um gave me a chance to go through everything with a fine tooth comb um like before you know i'd do it blah 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 and i'd be like okay cool 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 but this was done so live and so in just one, no overdubs, no like, they're all like complete takes. It's not like, okay, well, let me do the verse and then let's let me do the chorus and blah, blah, blah. They're all complete takes. So when I play this live, it sounds exactly like the record. And how I came about that, this is kind of strange, but um, there's a station called Forties Junction. And on Sirius XM, and it's all 40s music. And I started listening to it, and it's everybody's like harmonizing and everybody's playing, but every single song on that station was played completely live. There was no overdubs, there was no this or that everything everybody was crowded around mics and they all played live and I that's what I did for this record I just thought it was so interesting and I wanted to record the record that way and that's how we did it and it's so when we I've been playing a couple songs live and it sounds just like the record because it is exactly what we're playing and i I just thought that was interesting to Because we're at the point now where we're like, well, let me try that again, or let's move that here, or just punch me in at the chorus. It's not like that. You know, I just wanted to get to such a militant point of just doing the whole song in, um, you know, a complete take.
0: Well, technology allows you and allows artists now to almost make things too perfect, and so when you're recording the way that you're talking about, it kind of leaves room for a happy accident, a mistake. Are there little things in the record when people hear it that that you thought about going back and redoing because it was a, a not an off note, but but something that because of the style of the way you recorded it is in there, but if you had recorded it, the way that you're talking about punching it in, coming in at the chorus, it wouldn't have ended up there.
2: Yes. And, and I would love to do a special one time where, you know, people know the record well enough and I'll say, okay. And I'll have my guitar and I'll say, we'll see here how this is. It's because my brain got mixed up and I just played it that way. They're still the right notes, but they're out of a certain sequence. So there's like things like that all over the record but it still worked. And it doesn't sound like a mistake, but if I broke it down and played it for people because I was like, oh, well, that part is weird, but the rest of the song is so great. So I'm just going to keep it. And so there, there are things
0: like that, yes. Well, if you decide to do that and you need somebody to, mo- to moderate it for you, I will do that for you because this is the kind yeah. of stuff that like when they when they release like the Beatles anthology and you heard that oh well there were mistakes in the songs but they left them in there and weird lyric slip ups isn't that what rock and roll make isn't that what makes it special is kind of those little strange things in there
2: yes but you know it's it's really hard for people to to really kind of have the I don't know the, the the confidence to go, eh, let's just leave it in there. It's just like if you're going to out with someone and you got a big pimple and you're like, well, I'm not gonna cover that pimple up. It's just, you know, it's just natural. It's just, you know, what it is, you know. So it's hard. It's it's funny to put it that way because you're like, well, should I put makeup on this? No, you know, let's just leave it. <laughs>
0: i've never heard anybody compare their songs to zits before but i like the analogy
2: but it's a good analogy because it's it's the same thing you're like well should i cover this up should i fix it or should i just you know let it go
0: you're a uh unapologetic kiss fanatic to the To the point where it it borders on obsession and that your your collection has its own Instagram, that's what a huge fan you are so talk to me about having Peter Chris on your record
2: Well, I've known Peter for a very very long time. He's one of my closest friends. I talk to him all the time and we were doing Georgia on my mind and you get Peter loves. Buddy Rich, he loves Gene Krupa, talks about, you know, this style of drumming all the time to me. And I thought, oh, my God, Peter would be great to play drums on this. And so my guy, my producer, Barry Pointer, went out to New Jersey and flew to see Peter and set up mics like it was back in the day with the, the jazz guys, you know, like I was talking before, like on the 40 in in the forties and Peter sat back and mind you, he's been playing this his whole life, this kind of style of music. And he sat back and played and it was so perfect. It was so great because it's just what he's done his whole life. If like, you know, Someone was like riding a unicycle their whole life, and they're like, "Hey, why don't you ride that unicycle?" Who we'll go, "Okay," and just rides it perfect. You're like, "Oh my god!" And that's what he did. He was played it, and Barry was like, "Well, let's get another one just for you know safety." And he goes, "Okay," played it perfect. So there's two takes of it, and it's just wonderful. And and um, Barry and Peter were talking. And the mics are going, you know, they don't really shut off the mics. And they were just talking, and Peter was talking about the song and, and me, and we just kept it in there, and that's how the song starts. And I just think that's so honest and so wonderful.
0: When it comes to songwriting, I ask this question of every songwriter that I have on the show. Can you give me an example of any artist of any era, and this isn't a what's your favorite song question, from a songwriter's perspective. Can you give me an example of something that you think is perfect songwriting? A song you think is so well crafted that you wish you wrote it, but break it down as to why.
2: Well, there are certain artists. Of course, we all bring up the Beatles. We all bring up you know, things like that. But there are certain artists, certain songwriters that even, oh boy, it's, it's, it's so, it's so incredible, but there's certain artists that there's like, like Paul McCartney or, or anyone like that, uh, Stones or anybody, you know, a lot of people bring that up, but Joni Mitchell is, someone that even those artists are like oh my god like even what like those artists are like this is incredible what she does is unbelievable like i know so many artists that are like when she plays a song everyone just stops and listens and i really think she is like just incredible. Um, California, her song that she does uh, river is just amazing. The album blue, it's just beyond genius. And there's so many people that, you know, say the same thing. It's no uh, surprise or anything like that, but I really think that uh, what she does is something uh That is real genius, real genius.
0: One of the things I love about you the most is anybody that doesn't know who you are or or what you've done in your career could look at you, especially on stage, and think they know about you based on what you look like. But then when you look at the list of artists, you know, whether it be Steve Perry or Katie Lang or... Avril Lavigne or David Lee Roth and, and you look at the different kinds of artists and then to hear you talking about um, Joni Mitchell's songwriting, it just makes me laugh because anyone that doesn't know anything about music might, might overlook that just because they see you on stage and go, that guy's fucking scary.
2: (laughs) (laughs) You know, there's, there's something that happened uh, at, at my last show I played at Rocklahoma and I played Friday night with Rob Zombie and Saturday I was playing uh, with my band and I'll tell you there, you know, with Rocklahoma, there's a zillion people and you just play and you watch all these incredible acts. So we were playing and you know, they'll just like you said, they, they came to see me. They're like, Oh, you know, the guitar player from Rob Zombie, let's check it out. You know? And, and what was so magical, like, and this never happened before I was playing the show and in the show, there's like bluegrass, I'm playing banjo, I'm playing mandolin. I'm doing all these crazy different styles of music and putting on like a show that I do. And the place went so crazy and it went so you know just insane i got very emotional because i'm just entertaining these people with the guitar you know And i just um you know i'm just doing this because i love guitar and i love music and to have that kind of reaction i got very emotional and uh It was something that's never happened to me. And I, you know, somebody captured it on Instagram of me just holding my guitar up and the crowd just going crazy. And it was just like you were saying, you know, they didn't know what they were going to get. And uh, that, I think, is the power of music. And it really, you know, affected me um, maybe even more than it affected the crowd. It was incredible.
0: Your new album, Sinner, comes out on October 29th. I know that it's hard to make long-term plans because of COVID and how crazy the world is, but if your plans go off without a hitch the way that you hope they would, um, what are your plans once the record comes out? Is it Zombie? Is it your band? Is it a combination of both? What does the next year look like? Because people are predicting that next year could be the craziest touring year for music ever.
2: Well, I'm going to do yeah I'm going to do zombie when zombies not touring I'm going to do my thing and as long as I have a guitar in my hands I'll be happy and that's all that is important to me I just want to go out play music and enjoy life and when I was touring like before COVID or anything I never took anything for granted I was like We are so. I would tell Rob. I was like, we're so lucky. Look at this. Look at what we do for a living. You know, like before we go on stage, I'm like, this is you know the golden years. It's like amazing. You know, I'm I'm so happy and I appreciate this and blah blah blah. And I would always say that, you know. And then when it hit, and then we really, you know, you really appreciate it more and more and more. And I'm just gonna enjoy life and play and play with zombie, play my gigs and just enjoy life and try to make some people happy with music. And, and that's, what's most important. When I see these, Oh God, <laughs> there was this show that I was playing and with, when I do my concerts, it's a wide array of people, goth guys and guitarists and zombie fans and kids and old bluegrass pickers but there was a show i was playing there was this little kid he was going like this and he was having such a great time and he had to be five years old and i just thought to myself oh my god that's what it's about you know that's what it's about that little kid was having so much fun and that's the reason i do this
0: Are there any other artists that you're going to be working with that we might think are curveball artists that you've got in your plans over the next year or so? I don't
2: know. Um, Not that I, not that I have right now, but, you know, I'm always up for working with people because I love making music and I just love to bounce things off other people and vice versa, you know, because I don't have all the answers, but, I love working with people because I would have thought, you know, I think I would have never thought of that, you know, and that's why I love working with other people, you know, and, and, and I think that's what uh, collaborations are so important because you're like, oh, my God, I would have never thought of that. What a great idea.
0: Before I let you go, i got to ask you this question because it comes up a lot with artists that are from the Boston area. And no matter how long it's been since they moved away, there's always a little Boston that creeps back in. You spend a lot of time with Rob Zombie, who hasn't lived in the area in a long time, but it's still in his DNA. Are there things that pop up from time to time that you just look at him and you go, that's such a fucking Boston thing?
2: (laughs) No, but... And I will say, but we have this tour manager, Sully. And Sully has worked with Blink 182, Nine Inch Nails, Slipknot, Marilyn Manson, us, everybody, everybody, Molly Crew, and he's from that area. And I swear to you, it's hilarious what like because he'll talk like that and and it's amazing and he's got to be the funniest person i know you know <laughs> and he's so funny you know i won't say it uh here but like it's just the funny funny things that he'll say just well i'll be in my bunk and i'll just start laughing because Like, just like what you said, it's just like so incredible and just creeps out. It's unbelievable.
0: And the fact that his name is Sully is the best part of it.
2: Yes, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. It's so great. And he's wonderful. And I love Boston so much. And I love coming there and, and just, you know, you know, the thing I love people. A lot of people don't really love people, but I love people and I love talking to people and listening to their stories. I don't want to talk. I know my story. I want to hear your story because all these people have stories that are incredible, you know, so I, I really love people and I like talking to people a lot.
0: Well, I've been working in radio and in rock for a long time, but the podcast has given me a whole other way to be able to talk to the artists in a more personal way. And so now I get to add your stories to mine. So I'm very grateful for your time and the generosity of your stories. And to be able to to hear you talk about Sully and funny little things like that, that maybe when you're on the radio and you're trying to play a, you know play a song and then get your commercials in on time, you might not be able to have the time. So I'm very grateful that you were willing to come on the show. And it was nice to finally meet you face to face, even though it's the way we meet people face to face now. Yes. Well,
2: thank you very much. But you know, there are good things that have come out of this, but look at us doing interviews now. Like if like there's an interview with one of my favorite artists, I can watch them do the interview instead of just listen to it. And I think it is better. So You know there are uh definitely some positives that have come out of these things uh so you know this is one of them
0: there he is the one and only john five you are going to love the corresponding playlist of this episode it is filled with so much shredding it's linked in the show notes of this podcast John Five's new solo album, Sinner, is coming out on October 19th. And like you heard him say, you'll catch him on the road on tour, not only with his band, The Creatures, but also with Rob Zombie. If you liked what you heard, don't forget to hit subscribe so you don't miss anything from the Mistress Carrie podcast. New full-length episodes come out every Wednesday, and every weekday you get the Situation Report. The Sit Rep gives you all of your music news and rock headlines and industry info in less than five minutes every weekday. Thanks once again to our sponsors, Digital Federal Credit Union at dcu.org and Jag and Detroit Podcasts at jagandetroit.com. You can find all the links to track down John 5 online in the show notes of this podcast as well. Log on to mistresscarry.com for my online store, every episode of the Mistress Carrie podcast, and my video show, Cocktails in the War Room. And you can join me live every Tuesday night at 8.30 Eastern on my Facebook page. The Mistress Carrie podcast, a proud member of the Pantheon Podcast Network.